0: You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy vi- Nah, I'm, I'm not going to do that, but- that was a fun game, right? The Bills coming away with a 16-15 win over the Detroit Lions in the first preseason game of the 2021 season. A dramatic finish. Jake Fromm hooking up with Marquez Stevenson on a 4th and 10 to extend a drive and put the Bills in field goal range. Tyler Bass drills the game winner, and the Bills are 1-0 and in the preseason. And I know wins and losses don't matter in the preseason, and it's more about how the players fared and how the players that are in competition with another player at a position battle, that is what is front and center when it comes to the preseason. But that was a fun win. And so let's soak that in for just a moment. All right, now that we've soaked that in, let's talk about offensively, defensively, special teams. Let's go through all three of those things, and I'll talk about the things that stood out to me good and bad from each of the units. Let's start with offense, and we'll get into quarterbacks first. You know, Mitchell Trubisky didn't really get a great opportunity to go out and run the offense and make a bunch of throws, just one of two for 10 yards and a very limited amount of time on the field. Uh, When he was at quarterback, the Bills were running the football like crazy, handing it off left and right, and so he didn't really get a chance to see Trubisky air it out very much I'm guessing that'll change next week but for now there's not a whole lot to say about Mitch Trubisky and anything that we learned about him from Friday night's win over the Lions next in at quarterback was Davis Webb who I thought played reasonably well 11 of 16 for 90 yards had a touchdown pass to Devin Singletary and also made a couple of plays with his legs being able to uh Make a couple of first downs by ripping off some longer runs. Actually, two rushes for 26 yards. Then Jake Fromm entered the equation, and I was anxious to see Jake Fromm. He's been on the team, and we haven't really seen him play at all. So it was fun to see him take the field. And Obviously, the story of Jake Fromm being in the game was the 42-yard hookup with Marquez Stevenson on a nine route down the left sideline on a fourth and ten with the game on the line. So that was a fun moment, really good accuracy on that throw, and I thought he had pretty good ball placement on his deeper shot to Duke Williams as well. Duke had a step on his guy and just barely over his fingertips, and obviously Duke Williams not really a player that offers much speed, so probably a slight miscalculation by Jake Fromm on where he threw that football, not really factoring in that Duke Williams doesn't really carry much burst to the ball. but. I thought Fromm played reasonably well, given all the circumstances and context of the situation, and obviously had a big-time throw there to Marquez Stevenson to put the Bills in position to win that football game. Moving on from the quarterbacks, let's talk running backs. How about Devin Singletary? He looked really good, eight rushes, 42 yards, had a touchdown reception, over five yards per carry. And I'll say this, I thought the Bills' offensive line, the, the run blocking was really good. And there was a lot of space before contact for Devin Singletary to work and enable his shiftiness and quickness and vision to really shine. And that was good to see because last year, on so many of his rushing attempts, he was greeted quickly by defenders. So it was nice to see more vertical push in the run game and Devin Singletary to just have more space to work with. And obviously, he was extremely effective, was confident, ran hard, just was what you were hoping to see from Devin Singletary. And so that was highly encouraging. Antonio Williams ran the football extremely hard. He's got a lot of life in his legs. He's one of those guys that runs pissed off, doesn't like to get tackled, and that shows. Now, he wasn't overly productive in the game. Seven rushes, 15 yards, caught three passes, did have a fumble that he got injured on. It was reported as a stinger, but he came back into the game and obviously, that fumble is of concern. But I think Antonio Williams continues to show this competitive toughness and spirit and the way he carries the football. And that is something that I enjoy in watching him play. So I'm not sure he did anything to move the needle on Friday night, but I think just getting more exposures to him and more familiarity with what he does and brings to the table, and I continue to gain an appreciation for the life that's in his legs and his style of running the football. I thought Matt Breida was okay. Um, Didn't necessarily show the explosiveness I was hoping to see. I thought maybe he was a little bit more measured with his tracks and wasn't necessarily just putting his foot in the dirt and going, kind of feeling out his way a little bit. Um, So he was okay, didn't necessarily have any big-time moments that stood out to me, and you know, I'm looking for him to carry the football with a little bit more confidence next week when we watch him play. Let's talk about these offensive linemen, these young offensive tackles that the Bills have. We'll start with Spencer Brown, and I thought as a run blocker, Spencer Brown was outstanding in this football game. You could see his blend of athleticism, length, power, and tenacity really show up. And they ran a lot of zone concepts. And seeing Spencer Brown take advantage of angles and finding leverage points and getting himself in position to widen lanes was really impressive. And I thought he did a good job of continuing to work down the field. And there were a couple of moments where he had pancake blocks really, really buried Julian Aquara a couple of times. And uh, even on some down blocks, he was able to wipe some guys out. So his run blocking was tremendous in the football game. Now, I thought his pass blocking was uneven. There were some good reps for sure, but there were other times where I felt like pass rushers were able to get to his edges and he was completely reliant on his athleticism to recover, which is good. That's what you want to see, but I want to see him stay square a little bit more consistently and not allow guys to get to his edges and you know compromise his ability to maintain the width of the pocket because guys are finding areas where they can get a step on him and and really establish that half-man relationship. So I am very, very encouraged with what we saw from Spencer Brown. Everything that he needs to work on is coachable and fixable and just comes with more time on task and reps. But my goodness, I really, really liked what we saw in the run game from him. And you can definitely – coach up the pass blocking side of things and I think he'll be fine with more time and experience but again the run blocking was tremendous from him Uh, as for Tommy Doyle he struggled Um, you can just tell he doesn't have quite the looseness in his frame and coordination that you get from a Spencer Brown he's not quite as active with his hands like he needs to be staying square is challenging for him so You know, he's a guy that I think is going to be a bit of a challenge because you probably have to roster him, and he'll be an inactive player week in and week out. But he's going to claim a roster spot, and that's going to be kind of disappointing because I don't think you're going to get to a scenario where you're comfortable with putting him in the game. So he's definitely a work in progress and quite a ways behind Spencer Brown to me at this point based on our exposure to both players against the Lions on Friday night. Let's get to Bobby Hart. I mean, what can you say about this guy? He's an absolute liability out there. I tweeted out during the game that it's hard to run offensive plays with Bobby Hart in the lineup. He's just a liability out there. He gets beat over and over and over. Just no coordination, no ability to sink his hips and stay square and stay leveraged. I mean, this guy is just twisted around left and right all game long, and this has been happening for years. I've been warning you guys about Bobby Hart from the day the Bills signed him, and he's an absolute liability. And so, I just don't know what the purpose is. The Bills have to cut five players by Tuesday. Let Bobby Hart be one of them. I just don't get it with this guy. He can't play. He absolutely can't play, but for some reason, he keeps getting chances in the NFL. Well his chance with the Buffalo Bills would be over if I were calling the shots. How about these tight ends? Tommy Sweeney, two catches for 34 yards. Both catches were really good. I thought he showed good speed to the football, Uh, was able to continue working up the field after the reception, and he just looked good out there. I liked the way he was moving around competing, and it just feels like he's comfortable out there on the field, which is great to see. Considering the heart condition that he came down with last year, and you know I gotta mention the ten-yard catch by Dawson Knox, caught it between a couple of defenders in traffic, held on through contact. So far, so good for Dawson Knox. So that was encouraging to see. But overall, the offense, you know, I think the the stars of the day, if you will, were Devin Singletary, Spencer Brown's run blocking, seeing the contributions from Tommy Sweeney. Marquez Stevenson coming up with a big play, Jake Fromm making a big-time throw, and the lowlights were quite obvious as well, where Bobby Hart struggled, Tommy Doyle struggled. And I will say one other thing. I felt like the rest of the wide receivers, not named Marquez Stevenson, really struggled to distinguish themselves. You know, I was hoping to see some plays from Isaiah McKenzie, Jake Kumaro, Isaiah Hodgins, I mean, those things didn't happen. Not even Tanner Gentry didn't catch a pass. Duke Williams, no catches on three targets. So where you have this wide receiver core where we feel like there's five that are pretty set in stone in Diggs, Beasley, Sanders, Davis, McKinsey. I was hoping to see a player or two from these guys that are competing for a roster spot show up and make a few plays, but I don't think we really saw that outside of Marquez Stevenson. Weak tortilla chips suck. I know it, you know it, even the New York Jets know it, and they don't know anything. Lucky for you, I just discovered Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips, and this company's mission is to create delicious tortilla chips that don't break in guacamole. Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips follow the traditional process of making tortillas first before cutting and frying them into chips. Most tortilla chip brands are weak because they skip this very important step, however, the team at Zach's Mighty knows that this authentic process is the only way to make a sturdy tortilla chip. And on top of it all, Zach's Mighty grows its organic corn at farms in the Buffalo, Rochester area. And not only are Zach's Mighty tortilla chips sturdy and don't break in guac, they taste incredible. Pick up a bag at your local Wegmans or Whole Foods market and say no to weak and crappy tortilla chips forever. Zack's Mighty tortilla chips stand up to guac. All right, let's spend the second half of our podcast today focusing on the defense and special teams and the notable takeaways that I had. We have to start with Gregory Rousseau. The guy was incredible. Everything you could have possibly hoped to see from him in his preseason debut, you got it. 11 pass rush reps, three pressures, a sack. He beat Penny Sewell. The prized offensive tackle that the Lions took, number six overall, in the first round. Rousseau got the better of him, had some really good reps defending the run. There was a short yardage run play where Rousseau, from the backside, was able to collapse his side of the line of scrimmage, disengage, and get involved in a tackle for loss. I mean, the guy was terrific. But what I want to do is go back to his sack against Penny Sewell and talk about everything that went into that play and how impressed I am with it. I mean, first of all, he's clean off the ball, and he gets a couple of steps into his rush, and he demonstrates wonderful vision watching the set of Penny Sewell and understanding how to attack him. I mean, Sewell comes out with a low hand carriage, wide hands kind of down at his side, and he uses that opportunity, Rousseau does, to fit his hands right away and get his hands on Penny Sewell's chest plate because he knows that Sewell's hands are low and wide. And when he gets his hands on that chest plate, he's able to extend and convert speed to power to rock him back a little bit and play with extension and create separation from Sewell in his pass set. And then from there, Rousseau does a wonderful job of turning his two-arm bowl rush into a one-arm stab. And one thing that you're taught as a pass rusher is that one arm is longer than two. Just think about that. Put two hands out in front of you right now. Do it. Put two hands out in front of you and then drop one to your side and reach out with the hand that's forward. You have more length. You have more reach when you do that. And Rousseau does this very seamlessly in this rush rush that he beats Sewell on. He turns that that two-handed uh, attack on the chest plate of Sewell into a one-arm stab, and then he's able to flatten and turn and use his length to get his hands on Jared Goff and get him down on the ground. I mean, this is a wonderful job of vision, power, get-off, flexibility, length. I mean, all of these traits working together to make a sack on the first series of his NFL career. I mean, I absolutely love that play. Russo's presence was felt the entire time that he was in the game. So obviously I'm very encouraged. And I think that's probably the number one overall takeaway from this game. We'll get to more things on defense. We've talked about the offense. We'll get to special teams. The number one takeaway from this game, and it's probably what I should have leaded off our discussion with, was Gregory Russo and the impact that he made on the field. I was blown away. The guy was absolutely outstanding. I thought F.A. Obata played really well, and it doesn't show up quite to the same level as Rousseau's day, but I thought as a run defender playing inside and outside, showing good effort, it was all there from Obata. I thought he had really good power at the point of attack, which helped him defend the run and squeeze gaps, but also push the pocket. And you can see his frame. I mean, this guy is engineered to play defensive line in the NFL, and I think he truly does bring that inside-outside versatility. So I was really impressed with Obata. And I like what I saw from A.J. Epinesa as well. Obviously, he had that one rep where he combined with Gregory Rousseau to sandwich the quarterback. I have no idea how that quarterback got the ball out, but you saw two early round draft picks by the Buffalo Bills over the last two years. Meet at the quarterback. I mean, that is what you love to see. And I think overall, the pass rush was very consistent in the game. I never felt like on passing downs for Detroit that that quarterback was ever overly comfortable in the pocket. So I thought from start to finish, the Bills pass rush really showed up. And obviously, that first group, right, that's where where it really showed up. But I thought consistently throughout the game, it was a factor. Uh, Let's talk about Carlos Basham a little bit. He played a lot in this game. He's playing all the way till the last couple of minutes, from what I could tell. Had a ton of reps. And I thought he did some really good things as a run defender. You can tell that he has a natural feel for blocking schemes and how they're attacking him and where the ball is going to be and what he's supposed to do. Uh, That shows up. He's powerful. That's that's a a complete non-issue. I thought as a pass rusher, He's a guy that I think needs to figure out his plan a little bit. One thing that I noticed watching him play is that he was absolutely in love with the spin move, and um, that that's a, a challenging habit to break because, I mean, a spin move is good to have in your, in your toolbox, but it can't be your go-to move. You need to be able to sprinkle it in effectively. And so I think he's got to develop some counters and, and figure out how he wants to beat blocks and like what his go-to moves are going to be. So I don't necessarily feel as good about Basham as I did Rousseau, Obada, and Epinesa, but I do think there is going to be a role for him. And I think he'll be a really good base end on rundowns and you get him on the interior and maybe the pass rush will show up a little bit more. Like he's obviously got a lot of ability. I think he's just got to put it all together. And so hopefully he's getting coached up through all of this and, you know, you really see him start to get better and better every week in the preseason. I was really impressed with the Buffalo Bills linebackers against the Lions. I mean, Tyler medicavich played really well. Andre Smith was outstanding. Tyrell Dotson was outstanding. And they were playing confident. They read their keys quickly. They made plays. They were good in coverage. They got outside the tackles and made plays. I mean, these guys really really fared well you saw some really good downhill run fills by Tyrell Dotson like I said Andre Smith made plays in space you saw Tyler Medicavich with a pass breakup I was really 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 impressed with how those backup linebackers fared against the Lions and and that was something that was very encouraging because we saw the Bills linebacker depth get stressed last year and it was an issue at times and hopefully they'll be better suited for it this year but Smith, Dodson, Madakevich, I thought those guys played really, really well. As for Harrison Phillips, um, I thought he had an up-and-down game. I thought he had a good game actually rushing the passer. I think he was a better pass rusher than he was run defender against the Lions. And I go back to a third-and-one. Detroit brought in a heavy set. They were obviously going to run the football. Harrison Phillips is playing, I think, in the A-gap, and – I was disappointed to see him get out leveraged and rooted out of his gap on that play and Detroit wound up converting. And as a one technique, a third and one with a heavy offensive set in front of you, that's a, that's a gotta have it down. That's a rep that you got to win. That's where you got to dig deep and own that moment. And so I was a little bit disappointed to see him not play with proper leverage on a rep like that. But meanwhile, he's showing good push as a pass rusher. And I thought he provided good complimentary pressure on passing downs. And the Rousseau sack against Sewell was due in part because Phillips got some push in the face of Jared Goff and didn't allow him to step up in the pocket. So, like, Phillips did some good things, but on that gotta-have-it-down, he got rooted out, and I was a little bit disappointed by that. Uh, Josh Thomas, backup safety. I thought he had some really good run fills early in the game, triggering downhill, being willing to knife in there and stick his nose in there and and make some tackles, which was really encouraging. And I know that he's in a battle with DeMar Hamlin to be the fourth safety. And I thought DeMar Hamlin had some good moments as well, some good physical tackles. He had a nice pass breakup where he clicked and closed with good timing and was able to disrupt at the catch point. So I thought Josh Thomas and DeMar Hamlin played really, really well. Now, I will say that the Bills' young cornerbacks, I came away pretty disappointed in. Uh, Levi Wallace played well. He had a nice pass breakup in the end zone. He was challenged uh, by Jared Goff. He was covering Tyrell Adams, and Levi Wallace got his hand around and, and broke up a pass. It was a really, really good play, and I thought Levi Wallace was really good in terms of coming forward and tackling, but uh, the rest of the young cornerbacks really, really struggled. Uh, Saran Neal. Um, playing in the slot, getting some reps against a rookie, Armand Ross St. Brown, out of USC. And St. Brown was giving him fits, creating a lot of separation and a lot of easy pitches and catches for Jared Goff to hook up with Armand Ross St. Brown. Uh, Dane Jackson, he missed a, a couple of tackles. He also got honey hold. Uh, I need to see the All-22 to be sure, but on that longer completion that Jared Goff had where he was able to work it in between Jackson and the safety, I, Dane Jackson was buzzed down in the flats. And I, I got to see the tape to understand why he did that. But if that's straight cover too, like he needs to sink and be able to get deeper so that that throw is a little bit more challenging. So uh, I thought that was a low light as well, based on, you know, my reactions without seeing the all 22. So Uh, Overall, just I don't think Dane Jackson did anything to stand out outside of actually making some special teams plays, which were really good. I thought Wild Goose was disappointing, really grabby in coverage, uh, just didn't have the confidence to stay in phase and mere routes. Uh, Elijah Griffin, similar situation. Nick McLeod probably was the best of those three, uh, but he was grabby and allowed separation pretty consistently as well. So that group, Wild Goose, Griffin, McLeod, I was hopeful to see something more from one of them, and and I don't think we got it. Um, McLeod, again, probably the best of the three, but even he had a lot of disappointing moments as well. So I was looking for the young corners to do something, and I got good play from the young safeties. So, you know, look, it's it's give and take. But obviously defensively, the the pass rush was on point. Gregory Rousseau was dominant. F.A. Obata looked good. A.J. Epinesa looked really good. The linebacker depth looked outstanding. Really like what I saw from the young safeties and um, concerned about some of the young corners that are on the team that they weren't able to step up and make more of an impact in this type of a scenario. Now, how about the special teams? An outstanding day in the kicking game for the Buffalo Bills, whether it was Tyler Bass making all three of his field goals and his extra point, including a game-winning field goal, or Matt Hawk and his outstanding punts, it was good to see. I mean, Tyler Bass hit field goals of 50 yards, 37, and then the game-winner was 44 yards. I mean, just true as can be with all of his kicks, he was outstanding. And I think just the more and more situations that Tyler Bass can be in uh, and face some pressure and continue to come through. I mean, the better that's going to be for him long term. And he's still a young player. And obviously, he finished the season so well last year. I wasn't concerned about Tyler Bass, but, you know, I'm still gaining confidence in him and he continues to deliver. And so I'm excited that the Bills have Tyler Bass and what he can mean for this team, you know, this year and for the long term at Kicker. And then Matt Hawk was awesome. I, I mean, three punts inside the 20 out of five attempts, a couple of nice angled punts. I mean, the guy was really good. And so it's the only five punts he's ever done for the Buffalo Bills, and it was indoors preseason against the Lions. So you want and expect him to deliver, but he did. And for today, I feel very good about Matt Hawk as the Bills punter. And as you know, I've talked a lot this offseason about how I think the Bills downgraded at punter. And so for today, I, I certainly feel very differently. So have to feel very good about what the Bills got from Tyler Bass and Matt Hawk on Friday night. As for injuries, Antonio Williams left the game with a stinger. He returned. Isaiah Hodgins did not finish with a knee injury, but after the game it looked like he was walking around Just fine. So hopefully, both players are good to go. And those are the only two injuries that I'm aware of as of the recording of this podcast. All right, folks, one preseason game is in the books. They have two more each of the next two Saturdays at 1 p.m. So we have that to look forward to until the Bills take on the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one of the regular season. And just like you, I cannot wait for it. As always, I thank you so much for listening. I'd absolutely love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Of course, make sure you're subscribed. We have another busy week here on the podcast. We'll be here for you Monday through Friday. And then again on Saturday after the Bills play at 1 o'clock, I'll give you the post game reaction podcast. So after the Josh Allen extension emergency podcast that resulted in six podcasts last week and the preseason game this week that. Get six podcasts out of me. We got six coming for you next week and the following week because the Bills play at one o'clock on Saturday again. So a lot of Buffalo Bills discussion is coming your way. Don't miss anything and make sure that you're subscribed. I hope you have a great weekend and I look forward to catching up with you again on Monday.